Hello, I'm Anna Elliott and this is Blendle Handpicked. If you give me five minutes of your time, I'll give you three stories that stood out above all the rest this week. First up today is an excellent piece from Justin Warland in Time magazine about the knife edge we now find ourselves on when it comes to protecting the world from a climate disaster. He starts with an arresting message. We may look back at 2020 as the year we decided to keep driving off the climate cliff or to take the last exit. We're at a crossroads and the ways governments choose to help us recover from the coronavirus recession could alter our world for future generations. To set the scene, Warland lays out the signals different governments are currently sending on which way they're leaning. Trump held a closed-door meeting with the CEOs of America's biggest oil and gas companies, assuring them he was with them 1,000%, later brokering a deal with Vladimir Putin and Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia to rescue the oil industry. Meanwhile, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the EU Commission, pledged $800 billion to fund a European Green Deal which would transform the way Europeans live, building the new economy on eco-friendly business. Wallen goes on to explain in clear terms how historical deals have shaped the fossil fuel-centric economy we find ourselves in, and why this year's disruption to those industries is the best opportunity we're likely to get to make big changes. He explains the statistics you've seen elsewhere on how quickly our planet is warming and how that's already affecting many people around the world, But where this piece really comes into its own is in the suggestions for concrete action, for an in-depth glimpse of what governments can really do, and in some cases are already doing, to fight this fight, along with a stark reminder of what's at stake, check out the full 15-minute piece in last week's Time magazine. The link is in the show notes. My second pick today is a story from Rachel E. Gross in the New York Times about koalas or more specifically, how koalas are helping scientists find a vaccine for chlamydia. As you're probably aware, chlamydia is a sexually transmitted infection, but you might not be aware that it infects many animals, from frogs to fish to parakeets, as Gross puts it. The fact that it affects such a wide range of creatures has led scientists to believe that finding a vaccine against chlamydia for koalas could help us develop one for humans. And, as Gross goes on to explain, that's really necessary. It's the most common STI in the world, with 131 million new cases reported each year. There are antibiotics to treat it, but it can go undetected for years, even leading to fertility problems later down the line. The description of how the disease actually works inside the human body is fascinating, and probably something you didn't learn in sex ed class. And the way it works inside koalas is similar, except it gets much worse. The antibiotics that cure humans can extinguish essential bacteria in the koala's gut that help it digest eucalyptus, and it's the only treatment we have for the disease, which means that for koalas, the cure can be just as bad, even deadly. That makes them perfect models for vaccine testing, because if scientists do find a vaccine that works in koalas, that would already be a success. As one researcher quoted in this piece says, we don't need a vaccine for mice. With koala work, as hard as that is and as difficult as that is, the results you get are ones that matter. There is so much fascinating science in this optimistic nine-minute story and it's well worth diving into. It's from last Tuesday's New York Times. Finally, I've got a piece from Claire Ansbury in the Wall Street Journal on how men and women age differently. It has long been known that women live longer than men and scientists who study aging and age-related disease are trying to work out why. 
But there are several other fascinating differences in how men and women age that are helping scientists understand more about cardiovascular health, immunity to disease, and the brain. And that could help researchers understand why older men are more susceptible to COVID-19 than older women. For example, Ansbury says, a recent study found that men after the age of 65 lost important antibody-producing B cells in the blood, while women didn't. They also develop more inflammation in the blood, which is associated with severe cases of COVID-19. Ansbury goes on to list other differences between the sexes as they age, many of which aren't as widely known as the distinction in longevity. I'll give a few examples. Men develop more laugh lines, while women develop more frown lines. Women sleep on average 20 minutes less per night. Their cellular biology remains more stable than men's. There's also a really interesting discussion on how memory changes as people get older, and how the findings of new studies on the topic could point to ways of warding off Alzheimer's, particularly in women. All this research is so new because women have historically been left out of aging-related studies, and scientists are discovering more and more biological differences that were hidden before. I'd highly recommend checking out the six-minute story from last Wednesday's Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining me for this week's top stories. Check out the show notes for the links to the articles. And if you want to read more, you can go to blendle.com and subscribe to the Daily Digest newsletter, which we send out at 8 a.m. Eastern. If you want to get in touch with your thoughts on the show, you can email me at editorial at blendle.com and you can follow us on Twitter at Blendle. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.